Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm hooning, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. I'm pointing them to the moon. This is the Starship Sova, everybody. Welcome. Hello and welcome to show 664. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Welcome to 664, yes. Today's story is In the Glowworms Cave by Robert D. Beach. That's a great title of a story. Before we get into that, just one little thing. One little thing, got nothing to do with science fiction. I know I mentioned Clarkson's Farm the other time and how, how good that was. We've just... Not, Made, we just obviously were coming to do our like part-time kind of roles in like jobs and a lot of sitting down on an evening watching TV and we've just finished Mayor of East Town with Kate Winslet in it. <gasps> Bloody hell, man. Just like absolute unreal acting. Just so... You're there. You're there with her. You know what I mean? It's just like the pain... She goes through, her family goes through. She's a detective in this like kind of small outback town in America. Man, get yourselves watching that. What did we watch it on? We watch it on Now TV. I'm not sure how you would find it around the world, but Mayor of East Town. <gasps> anyway, come on, straight into it. Come on, there we go. In the Glowworms Cave by Robert D. Beach. This is an original to Starship Sova. 
Robert Beach is a practicing psychiatrist and a faculty member of Yale School of Medicine. He has published professional papers in a variety of scientific journals. This story is narrated by Anthony Babington. Anthony Babington is a voice actor who looks just slightly off from how he sounds. From his secret volcano lair in Minnesota, he narrates podcasts and leases his soul to corporate America. He has previously recorded for Farfetch Fables, Tales to Terrify and The Cursed in and you can find him on twitter there's a link there as well to twitter and you're a staller thank you so much for this so the starship sofa is very proud to present in the Glowworms cave by robert beach it was well past the end of tourist season i walked along the quiet beachfront watching the white-capped waves and feeling the cold autumn breeze as it found its way through the windbreaker and sweater i wore The roadside shops selling souvenirs and fried seafood had largely packed up for the season. There were still a few boats offering deep-sea fishing, and the proprietors looked hopefully at me as I passed by, but I'd never been much of a fisherman. The trip to this island, a tiny dot off the coast of New Zealand, had been something of a whim. A 23-hour layover in Auckland before heading back to the States, plus a cancelled flight due to storms over the Pacific, had left me with some unexpected time on my hands, and a rare chance to do a bit of sightseeing. The islands off New Zealand were supposed to harbor some of the last surviving examples of many species driven to extinction on the larger islands. I took the three-hour ferry out to the island of Kwaipara, with no clear idea of what to expect when I got there, except that it would be something more interesting than hanging around the airport terminal to find out if my flight would be going out the next day or not. The quay where the ferry left off boasted a shop selling coffee and sandwiches, and a souvenir shop with the same stuffed kiwi dolls and jade trinkets I had seen in the airport gift shop. I bought a coffee and a fish sandwich and chatted with the man at the counter. So what is there to see in Kwaipara? I asked. He shrugged. You like fishing? he asked. Not really, I admitted. Sailing? Maybe. Where do people sail to from here? I asked. Another shrug. Nowhere. Out on the ocean for a couple hours, then come back. Sooner, if you get seasick. I didn't particularly like the sound of that. Any local sights worth seeing? I asked, hopefully. Again, the shrug. There's the glowworm caves. Some people find those... interesting. Glowworm caves? Bugs, on the roof of the cave. They make little lights in the darkness. It didn't sound all that thrilling, but it didn't sound like there was much else to do either, and the next ferry back to the main island didn't leave for three hours. I walked along the beach, following his directions, and after about fifteen minutes came to a small hut with a sign outside reading, Tour the Giant Glowworm Caves, only known habitat for this rare species in the entire world. There was no queue outside the hut, and no obvious activity within, so for a moment I thought that this attraction, if you could call it that, was closed for the season, like most of the other seasonal businesses along the shore. However, as I approached, I saw a young woman emerge from the hut. She was dressed, somewhat unseasonably, in shorts and a t-shirt, with what looked like a burlap sack worn as a backpack hanging from her shoulders. She had dark hair, and a deeply lined tanned face, and the greenest eyes I'd ever seen. Hello, I said. 
Do you do the tours of the glowworm cave? She paused before answering me and looked me over slowly from head to foot. I do, she answered at last. Did you want to see them? I guess so, I said. How long does it take? Not long, she said. But it takes a little while to get there. Where is it? I asked. She pointed out towards the open ocean. A small island, about fifteen minutes from here. I looked out where she pointed, but could see nothing. To your left, she said, pointing again. I looked again, and then saw what seemed to be a rock sticking up out of the ocean near the horizon. How do we get there? I asked. By boat, she answered, pointing to an upturned wooden rowboat near the shore. Its peeling paint proclaimed years of hard use. I would have been doubtful about my prospects of rowing even a small way across the ocean on such a craft, but she seemed unperturbed. How much does it cost? I asked. She looked me over slowly, considering. Clearly there was not a standard price for this outing. Perhaps, like most things, it went up in the summer when tourists were plentiful and down for the off-season. What would it be worth to you? she asked. I shrugged, uncertain. I had relatively little local money, but there was little else to spend it on here, and I realized I would probably be her only customer for the day. A hundred dollars? I suggested, uncertain if I was being generous or miserly. She considered, then nodded slowly. I got out my wallet to pay, and asked, You don't take credit cards, do you? She waved the subject away. We'll sort it out after the trip. That surprised me. I had assumed for something that seemed likely to take at least an hour, and a lot of hard work rowing, she would want payment up front. But by the time I had put my wallet away, she had already gone over to the rowboat and was turning it back, right side up. She placed in oars into the boat and pushed the stern of the boat into the water. You first, she said. Sit in the back of the boat. I'll push us in and get in after. I followed her instructions, and she pushed the boat out into the water, and, with a fluid motion, levered herself up over the side of the boat. She seated herself in the bow of the boat, then, placing oars into the oar locks, began to row, turning the boat so she had her back to the tiny island out in the sea. She said nothing as she rowed, but pulled us steadily out over the ocean, strong brown arms working the oars that skimmed like wings over the surface of the ocean. The deep green of her eyes matched the green of the ocean, and at times they seemed almost to glow in the sun. She never turned back to see where she was headed, but the boat flew unerringly toward its destination, and as I watched the little island grew from a dot on the horizon to a small hillside sticking up out of the water. The sound of the waves slapping the sides of the boat and the sun overhead lulled me into a drowsy state, and before I knew it, we had landed on a rocky beach beside a small stream running out of the hillside. My guide leapt easily over the side of the boat into the shallow water and pulled the boat up onto the beach. I followed more clumsily, holding onto the side of the boat as I stepped down onto the rocky shore. After I got out, she pulled the boat farther onto the beach and tethered it to a tree branch by a small rope hanging off the bow. The path is up this way, she said, indicating a rocky path beside the stream overhung with the branches of short scrubby trees, similar to the one she had used to tether the boat. Have you ever seen the glowworms before? she asked. No, I answered. Would you like to know something about them? There was a curious intensity to the seemingly innocuous question. Yes, I said, 
for it seemed the only possible answer to the question. The glowworms on this island, she began, with the tone of voice used by tour guides around the world introducing bemused visitors to the hidden gardens of the world to which they, and they alone, hold the key, are a distinct species from those in the larger islands of New Zealand. Like their smaller cousins, our glowworms are larvae, hatched from the eggs laid on the walls of these caves deep underground, far from any source of light. The glowing light is emitted from specialized cells in the worm's tail, and is used to attract prey. What sort of prey? I asked. Primarily insects, like the ones caught by the smaller glowworms on the main islands. However, the giant glowworms on this island can also trap bats and small birds if they venture into the cave. The worms grow sticky tentacles that hang down from the roof of the cave and ensnare whatever comes to investigate the light. What if a person touches the tentacles? I asked. A person would be far too big to be killed by the glowworm's toxins, she said. But they can have... curious effects. What sort of curious effects? I asked. It's a neurotoxin, I think the word is, she said. It affects the brain, makes it easier for the worms to catch their prey. In humans, it can cause hallucinations, or visions if you prefer. Before the Europeans came, the people of our island would row out to the caves and spend the night there in search of visions. It was a rite of passage. When the Europeans came, they called it devil worship and forbade the practice. People who followed the old ways were killed or forced to convert. These days, hardly anyone remembers. Have you spent the night here? I asked impulsively. There was something in her tone of voice that gave me the curious feeling that she might be one of the last surviving practitioners of this odd religious cult. She hesitated and looked at me thoughtfully before answering. Yes, she said slowly, many nights. And did you see visions? I asked. Again she hesitated. I couldn't say. We had been walking, as we talked, up the rocky path beside the stream, at times crossing over on stepping stones from one bank to another, but always ascending. After a few minutes we emerged from under the trees into a small clearing beside the mouth of a cave. The stream we had been following flowed out of the mouth of the cave and ran down the hillside. Beside it, the path led on into the mouth of the cave. The entrance is a bit low, she said. You'll have to crawl for a short distance. I'll tell you when it's safe to stand up. I nodded. She took a small flashlight from her pocket and got down on her hands and knees and began to crawl forward into the cave. Kneeling down behind her, I followed her slowly into the cave. Her body blocked much of the light from the flashlight, and what light there was reflected oddly off the walls of the tunnel, casting strange shadows. The pack on her back seemed to writhe and twist as the reflected light waxed and waned with the ripples in the cave wall. To our left, I could hear the sounds of the stream as it made its way along the deeper side of the tunnel, but the stream itself was invisible from where I crawled. At a turn in the tunnel, the light disappeared completely for a moment as my guide rounded the turn ahead of me, and I made my way forward blindly following the sound of her hands and knees as they moved along the tunnel floor. After a second turn, she called to me. You can stand up after the next turn, but mind your head coming out of the tunnel entrance. She stood, shining the light back toward me so I would not bump my head as I stood up. When I had regained my feet, she shone the light up at the roof of the cavern. Do you see them? she asked. See what? I asked stupidly. The hairs, or tentacles, coming from the worms. I looked up to where the flashlight illuminated the ceiling and saw. 
Hanging from the roof of the cavern was a forest of gelatinous fibers, ranging in length from a few inches to several feet. They were translucent and gleamed in the light she shone on them. "'I'll need to turn the light off so you can see the worms,' she said. "'Don't reach up. Remember what I said about the toxins.' She turned off the flashlight, and at first I could see nothing at all. Then, far above, first a few, then hundreds, then thousands of tiny lights appeared, spread out above us like stars in the night sky. The sight was intoxicating. There was an odd, perfume-like smell in the cave that filled my head with strange notions, and it occurred to me, somewhat belatedly, that I was alone, underground, with a strange woman, in a place as far from civilization as you could get. She snapped the light back on and my head cleared suddenly. There's another cave, even bigger, farther on. Follow me, she said. I followed her down a twisting passageway, ever deeper under the ground, until we stood at the edge of an underground lake. To my surprise, there was a boat pulled up at the edge of the shore. It was smaller, but similar in design to the boat we had ridden in coming over to the island. Noting my surprise, she said, Our people have been coming here for years. We use the boat to get to the far side of the lake. It's much warmer than swimming, and less chance of slipping on an underwater rock and banging your head under the water. She said this with a smile, but the thought of slipping and falling into this dark pool of water did not seem at all funny to me. There were no oars in this boat, just an old and gnarled tree branch that she used as a pole to propel us across the dark surface of the water. There were glowworms on the ceiling of the cavern above the lake, thousands of them, or perhaps millions, spread out like constellations above us. My guide was invisible to me now, her presence sensed only as an absence of light where her body blocked the light from the overhanging glowworms, and in the rhythmic sounds of the pole striking the bottom of the pool and moving us forward. After a few minutes we reached the far shore of the lake. Again she hopped out, splashing almost soundlessly into the water, and then pulling the boat up so I could step out onto the shore. "'I'm going to turn the light off again,' she said. Take my hand so you don't end up back in the water. As I took her hand, I noticed that the texture of her skin was very strange, both smooth and hard, doubtless from years of calluses formed and polished by working with her hands. After my eyes adjusted, I looked up again at the roof of the cavern. The worms here formed strange, swirling patterns on the ceiling. Almost, it seemed, I could sense them writhing like a single living being. So, what do you think of them, our glowworms? she asked. They're magnificent, I said, and then added, And this is truly the only place in the world where this species is found? Yes, she said, almost sadly. Then added, almost in a whisper, Though we may need to leave, the people from the village do not come any more. What did you say? I asked, not understanding what I had heard. Nothing, she replied. I meant that I may need to leave the island soon. Business is not what it used to be. I suppose, I said uncertainly. I stood there a few moments longer, gazing up at the glowing forms above us. Again, the sensation that they were a single living being grew stronger. How do they survive this far out on the ocean? I asked. There can't be that many birds or bats that make it this far out to sea. I haven't even seen that many insects in the cave. Oh, in the summer months there are plenty of insects, she replied. And the birds and the bats follow the insects into the cave and help to feed the glowworms. In the lean times they eat whatever they can, even each other. They're cannibals? I asked. Oh, yes, she replied calmly. 
When they hatch from their eggs, the first worms to hatch eat their sisters. You see how each light up there has a little space around it? That's because each worm will try to eat anything that comes into its territory, even other worms. And the bigger worms are not above invading their neighbors' territories in search of a meal when food is scarce. I shuddered at the thought. Sisters, you said? Yes, all of the worms in this cave are females, she said, resuming her tour guide voice. Unlike the ones on the mainland, the giant glowworms are parthenogenic. That is, the female passes all of her genetic information on to the next generation, with no contribution from the male. However, in the brief time they live after they emerge from the pupae to their adult form, the females must still mate before they can lay their eggs. Why is that? I asked. There are different theories, she said. One is that the males, like the females, serve as a food source for the newly hatched glowworms. Since both males and females die shortly after they mate and she lays her eggs, but I prefer the other theory. Which is? I asked. The females mate before they lay their eggs, she said, because it would be such a shame after spending your whole life as a glowworm waiting, hoping for the moment when you could transform, to die without knowing that final consummation. I noticed then that her eyes glowed in the darkness, brighter than any glowworm. She pulled me towards her. I dropped her hand and backed away into the darkness. My arm brushed against the cave wall behind me, and I felt the tentacles that hung down from the wall latch onto the bare skin of my arm. I felt a wave of cold run up my arm and into my brain, and my senses began to reel. I saw the walls of the cave start to breathe, and felt the pulsing motion of the glowworm colony grow stronger. And in the pale green phosphorescence of the cave, I saw her features start to melt. With a fluid motion, she threw off the T-shirt and the sack that had hung at her back, and from the place that had been covered by her backpack, I saw a pair of enormous wings unfold from under their chitinous carapace. The strange perfume of the caves filled my head, stronger than before, and I sank to the ground. I awoke to unfamiliar surroundings, my head throbbing with a hangover to end all hangovers. After a few moments, I realized that this was the hotel room I had checked into the day before on the main island. Although I had no recollection of how I had returned here from the cave, I wondered then whether everything I have just related had been a dream, the result of too much alcohol or perhaps other substances unwarily ingested before I went to bed. My skin itched horribly. When I went to the bathroom and looked in the mirror, I saw that my entire body was covered in oozing red pustules. I knew that this was a reaction to the toxins in the glowworm tentacles. My stomach lurched as my recollection of the events of the day before came back to me, although I still could not recall clearly what had happened after I brushed against the cave walls. My guide's transformation, I surmised, had been one of those hallucinations she spoke of, caused by the toxins in the glowworm's tentacles, and it must have been she who helped me to return here. My skin crawled and itched more fiercely than anything I've ever felt before. I turned out the light in the bathroom, intending to go back and lie down on the bed till I felt better. When I turned out the light, I saw them anew, and watched at first with horror, and then, oddly, with delight, as the pustules under my skin moved of their own accord, and glowed with the soft green phosphorescence of her eyes. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Robert, sir, thank you very much. Never mind them medical journals, man. You just keep writing that science fiction. Oh, oh thank you so much, Andy. You're a star. Thank you indeed. So that is 664, put to bed, took to bed, nice in and out and away there. Until next week, just like to say, or the next fortnight, goodbye from me. Thank you for listening. I don't get out much, I've barely left the ground. I'm tuning in to your transmissions, I'm Anytime soon, can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio, I wanna talk to you. This signal's going light speed. By the time I get my say, I might already be on to you and on my way. But you're so far from here And at best I'm moving slow So I'm waiting on your call At home with nowhere to go Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio I want to talk to you I want to talk to you Myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there, out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.